Morning, everyone. Um, <laughs> this place falls out every time during worship, and then I stand up and I'm like, whoa, so many people in here. Um, it's so awesome to be together this morning, and actually, it was so cool, all the words that were brought forward during worship, because it's so, um, they were so um, in line with what I actually have to share today. So God is really um, moving and talking and encouraging and speaking, and so I want to encourage all of us to just lean in and listen, because I'm, I'm pretty sure he's got something for everyone. Um, yeah, sure. I feel like we're going to have a little bit of a mood swing, but it's okay. We're gonna, we'll, we'll roll with it. Um, so, my name is Kelly. Um, there's a picture that's going to come up now. I am a wife and a mom to these two crazy people. Um, crazy is an understatement in our house. Um, and I'm privileged to spend my weeks working and serving you guys here in Common Ground Constantinburg. We, Shana and I, lead um, the high school ministry and some of the young adults. Shana was the one who scripted that lovely hoy and um, rosa cook that I can't even say. And uh, yeah, and I do some admin as well. So you've probably received a couple of emails from me. If not, I was the person screaming at the back, you can sign up at the involvement hub. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> so last time I was up here, I um, started just with a little fact um, about me that you would, wouldn't know about me by looking at me. And so I thought, let's continue with the little um, fact series I have going. So second fact about Kelly that you won't know by looking at her is that I, like my mom, have a vacuum cleaner collection. There we go, that's the laughter I was waiting for. Yes, you heard that right, vacuum cleaners, the things that suck up dirt. Maybe, maybe I just enjoy a clean home. Maybe I like the satisfaction of seeing dirt sucked up from surfaces. I don't really know, but I have multiple vacuums and my friends sitting right over there, don't let me forget it. They have even called me very Mark sometimes, so. If you need tips on which vacuum cleaners are the best, you can come chat to me after the meeting, and I would be glad to assist you. I actually just thought of a little joke. The husbands would probably want to keep their wives away from me because it's probably going to be the most expensive one. <laughs> okay, today I'm going to be sharing to us from James 5, verses 7 to 11. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up, turn there so long. And as some of you are quickly flicking to the index page of your Bible to see what page James is on or opening your version on your phone, but actually checking your WhatsApps, um, I want to give you a little bit of a taste as to what you're in for this morning. We are going to be talking about suffering. And I know for some people in the room, as we talk about it, it's very real because you are in a place of suffering or you're still healing from a place of suffering. Maybe some of you have even just blocked me off as I've started speaking because for you, I could never understand what you're going through or what you've been through. And I want to say that you're probably right. I don't. And I probably never will. But Jesus does. And I hope that as I'm vulnerable and open and real with you and share some of the stuff that I've been through, that you would begin to realize the beauty and the fruit of persevering through your suffering if you don't fit into either of these categories of being in suffering or having a story, I still want to encourage you to listen up because I hope that as I share, that if you find yourself in a place of suffering later on in life, you'll remember this and remember the encouragement to persevere because inevitably we know that part of living in a fallen world means that we will face hard times. Let's read James 5 verse 7 to 11 together. 
Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that as we read these verses together this morning, that you would be full of compassion and mercy on us, that you would encourage us, you would speak to us, you would guide us, um, yeah, and you would just present yourself with us like you already have. I pray this in your name, amen. Just to give you a little bit of an idea as to where I'm going this morning, I have three examples from these verses, and then we're gonna have some communion and response and prayer time at the end. So. Um, if you're feeling like you, you already need prayer, then don't worry, there's gonna be a space for it. Cool. I'm going to ask us all to do something super, super important. Are you ready? Don't worry, introverts in the room, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything. <laughs> I want you to think back to two Sundays ago. Matt Christie was up here, it was, last week was the picnic, the week before Matt was here, right? And he shared with us something, can you remember what it was? This is the point at Kids Rock where every hand is gonna go up like this, but it's okay, you don't have to. The reason I'm asking is because it's so important for us to remember that the Bible was written into a context. We need to understand this context when we read the verses and um, yeah, and we can put it all together nicely. So, do you remember what Matt shared on? If not, it's okay, I'm just gonna tell you. Matt spoke into how the, in, sorry, Matt spoke into how enduring faith lives for God and not for money, and we read about how the people in James's church were being oppressed by the rich. They were being abused in business, they were being persecuted, enslaved, and even killed. That is the suffering that they were enduring. Here's the thing, right? I don't necessarily think that all our struggles right now in this very room are that we're being oppressed by the rich. Maybe your struggle is finding a new job after COVID. Maybe you're struggling to have kids. Maybe you struggle with your mental health, or maybe you're struggling to make friends at school. Whatever your struggle, I do think that we are just like the people in James's church. When we're suffering, we can be so easily tempted to just take things into our own hands and to do it ourselves. And that's why this chunk of scripture is written to James's church but it's also in the Bible for us now in 2022. Okay. As I read these verses on patience and endurance, I was reminded of my younger sister. Her name is Nicola. You can put the picture up for us, please, Bronwyn. This is my siblings. And the warrior in the middle, her name is Nix. She was diagnosed with, this, um, with leukemia in December 2014. Some people in the room were privileged to know her. And she was 11 years old. And she has and always will be one of my greatest examples of faith, 
endurance and perseverance in the face of suffering. And I probably won't get to her whole story this morning. I know I won't get to her whole story this morning. And if you want to chat about it more, I'm, I'm here to chat and we can go for coffee and we can talk. But I hope that as I share bits and pieces of her story, that it will encourage you to persevere, to endure in suffering in the light of the day that Jesus will return. Cool. So, as I said, I have three examples of patience for us from these verses, and we're going to discuss each of these examples, and then I'm going to just tell a little bit more of the story just so you know where we're headed. The first example of patience is what I'm going to call farmer's patience. So let's read verses 7 and 9 together again. Oh, I thought my Bible changed pages. <laughs> I was very frantic there. Okay, verse 7 and 9. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the father waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. James is calling us to be patient like farmers. Here's the thing, though. The farms in James's time aren't exactly like our farms. They don't have irrigation systems or crop sprays or genetically modified seeds or heavy machinery <laughs> and all the other fancy the technology that makes farming just a little bit easier now. Not that it's easy, but a little bit easier. <laughs> um, they had to farm the old school way with hard work and patience. It was difficult. They had to prepare their soil by hand. They had to plant the seeds one by one, build fences to protect their crops, weed their gardens, and then wait for the rains to come before they could harvest their valuable crops. And as I was reading a commentary and preparing on this, um, I, I love this one thing that was pointed out. It said that whenever people refer to waiting on the rain in the Old Testament, it's normally associated with or a metaphor for waiting on God's faithfulness. When the Old Testament speaks about waiting on the rain, it's normally a metaphor for or association for waiting on God's faithfulness. That's it, right? That's what farming, what, a, what patience like a farmer looks like. It looks like waiting for God's faithfulness in our sufferings. But I do also want to point out that the farmers don't just wait, even now with all the fancy technology, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's this massive harvest. No, they weed, they protect, they feed, they spray their crops, and look after their crops until their harvest is ready. And I guess that's where verse 9 probably comes in for us. It says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. May I be as bold as to say that just like the farmer weeds and builds fences, protects and looks after their crops, in our patience, James is calling us to weed out grumbling, to feed and to protect ourselves with God's word as we eagerly await Jesus' return. I can remember one of many times in my sister's journey with cancer where we as a family needed to display farmer's patience. My sister had just had her first round of chemo and um, she started to get really, really sick. And the doctors told my mom there was no more that they could do except wait and hope 
that the medicine they were going to run would help fight, <clears throat> would help fight whatever infection that she had. So, so my family, we got in the car, it was the middle of the night, we drove to the hospital room, and um, they had taken her into theater to do some stuff and put her on some life support and run the meds and everything that came with it. And we, um, we, sorry, Mac is at the back crying, so I'm just looking at Jonna to go out. <laughs> um, yeah, so we went to the hospital room and we sat as a family in this, this area outside the theater and we prayed. We prayed for a very long time, it felt like it, and eventually they took her out and put her into ICU. And um, yeah, she was in that room for three days and my parents displayed farmer's patience like I've never seen it before. They filled that room with worship music. They prayed day and night over her. They constantly read Bible verses to her. And eventually when she woke up, she woke up in a room filled with worship. Three days later, she got up and she walked out of that hospital. Three days later, yes, after she got up and she walked out of that hospital healthy and ready to tackle her next round of chemo. And I am well aware that everyone's suffering looks different. You're most probably not going through what I went through, but I think that most times our suffering is not just something that passes quickly. It stays months, weeks, maybe even years or decades waiting. But I do pray that just like a farmer waits patiently knowing that his harvest is coming, that you too will wait patiently with the hope and knowledge of Jesus' return. James is calling us to be patient like farmers. The second type of patience we see is the prophet's patience. Let's read verse 10 together. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Here, James offers the example of the Old Testament prophets for us. These men delivered God's messages, which often included sucky things like God's coming judgment, or um, for example, Jonah, but <laughs> often many years would go by without those warnings ever coming to be. And the prophets often suffered great persecution waiting. They waited years and displayed years of patience and obedience. These men remained patient in their suffering, trusting God to sustain them through it until the promise was kept or the suffering was over. And James is encouraging us to do the same. We live in a world and culture that tells us we deserve everything we want right now. Yeah? And James is kind of going, no, 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 wait, slow down. Remember the prophets. They waited years and displayed years of patience and obedience. You need to be patient and obedient. We need to be patient and obedient. And Colin so kindly reminded me this week that God is still working on this one in me. Um, so John and I have been looking for a new house and he has really, really been calling me to be patient. <laughs> and um, so I think even as I say, like, we need to be patient, I'm not perfect yet. Like, God is still working on this in me and it's pretty ironic that I had to share on this when I had to be patient this week, but yes. And something we may miss in our culture 
but James's audience was well aware of, is that many of the Jewish prophets died while they were waiting for God's promise. Predictions of the Messiah, for example, were not fulfilled until centuries later. And this is a key perspective because James is not promising that God will necessarily deliver his readers and make all things right before they die. He is urging them, though, to remain faithful as the prophets, as the prophets did all the way through this life and into the reward of eternity. But just a little disclaimer, it doesn't mean that the day of the Lord won't, sorry, it doesn't mean that the day of the Lord cannot come before our earthly lives run out. <laughs> In our suffering, it can be so easy for us to forget that we have this hope that Jesus will come again. We can be so overwhelmed by our situation that we find ourselves in that we try to do it ourselves. But these verses encourage us to look to the prophets to help us persevere. Maybe some of us can even learn from their mistakes. One of the things that encourages me very regularly in my journey as a Christ follower is um, remembering how my sister never gave up on her faith. I mean, she had plenty of reasons, right? She could have just thrown the towel in on her relationship with God, but she didn't. She relentlessly pursued him. I saw a young girl whose life was thrown at making sure that people knew she served a good, loving God who was with her through it all. She got baptized during her cancer journey. She shared her testimony at youth. And every single day, she would sit and read her Bible and journal and write down what God was speaking to her and saying to her and calling her to. She would pray for the people in the rooms around her. She shone God's light so brightly that even her Muslim doctor knew that there was something different about the God that our family served. And if you're in a place of suffering or being called to endurance, or if you're in that other category of you've, you've been in suffering and you're healing from it, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about your story a little bit. Are you using your story to encourage and build up other Christ followers like the prophet's stories do for us? James is calling us to be patient like the prophets were. The third and final example of patience we see in Job's um, story, uh, sorry, <laughs> there we go, that's what it is. The third and final example of patience in these verses is Job's patience. Let's read verse 11 together. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Okay, are you guys ready for a very quick summary of the book of Job? Okay, let's go. So I'm summarizing, yes, I'm summarizing the book of Job. It's in Job, it's in the Bible, yes. In this Bible story, Job is a wealthy man residing in a very wealthy area, and I'm not gonna say the name because I still haven't learned how to say it. But he's living there with his extended family and a vast amount of flocks. He is blameless and upright, constantly mindful to live in a righteous manner, as Job 1 verse one tells us. And God mentions Job to Satan saying, there is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. But Satan contends that Job is only righteous because God has favored him greatly. 
So Satan dares God that if given the approval to inflict suffering, Job will change and curse God. God permits Satan to abuse Job to experiment with this claim, but he forbids Job, uh, sorry, he forbids Satan to take Job's life. Over the time of one day, Job is given a bunch of reports, each informing him that his sheep, his servants, and his 10 children have died due to thieving intruders or natural disasters. And Job rips his clothes and shaves his head in sorrow, yet he still praises God in his prayers. Satan arrives in heaven again, and God allows him another opportunity to test Job. This time, Job is distressed with terrible skin sores, and he's sitting in the ashes, and he's scraping them. And his wife urges him to denounce God and to give up and die. But Job protests, enduring his suffering. The rest of the book of Job is a bunch of poems between Job and his friends, and, but eventually, at the end of the book, we read about where God comes and redeems Job and asks Job a question. And Job is essentially left going, wow, who am I to question the almighty God? And then we read this in Job 42, verse 12. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 donkeys, and he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemima, the second Kezia, and the third Karen Hapak. Nowhere in all the land were they found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. 14,000 sheep. 6,000 camels, 2,000 oxen, 2,000 because it was yoke, 1,000 donkeys, and another seven sons and three daughters. And then might I note that it says, and nowhere in all the land were they found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. And he still lived on for another 140 years. I don't know about you, but I would definitely count Job as blessed. James points us to the grace and mercy that God supplies in the midst of the trial. God showers grace and mercy upon those who are oppressed. For Job, we learn that the reward came at the end of the suffering, but it doesn't always happen in this life. There are plenty of biblical examples that show us this, but James lifts their gaze and he lifts our gaze to see that there is a blessing that awaits those who endure hardship to the end, faithfully. For God's sake. A hardship has an expiry date. It's not the defining characteristic of our existence. And James reminds us that Jesus is coming back. Our ultimate fate does not have to be tied to our present circumstances, but to Christ. After, I think the band can come up quickly here as I'm wrapping this up. Might be a little bit of a longer one for you guys, sorry. But <laughs> after about, so my sister, we moved to Cape Town, and um, my sister had a bone marrow transplant at Hortiski. She was one of the lucky few who actually had more than one match. <laughs> we had two and a half within our family alone. And um, yeah, so we moved to Cape Town, and we, um, she was in Hortiski. She had bone marrow transplant. She was very healthy, and a year and a half later, she relapsed and started to get really sick. And the weekend before she passed away, my mom, 
she was in the hospital room with my, my mom and my sister was talking to her. And she looked at my mom and she told her that Jesus was standing in the room with her. She could see, her, see Jesus standing there waiting for her to come home. She passed away on the Monday and at that time it wasn't very easy for us as a family to see God's goodness and mercy that's promised here in verse 11. All we could see was really heartache and fear and the pain that came with it. But now, on the other side of it all, I can see God's goodness in the fact that he's given me a bunch more siblings through marriage. I can see mercy in the fact that God has grown me in my relationship with him. Thank you. I can see provision in the friends I have. And I get to use the story to glorify him for all he has done. That's why these verses are so important for us when we're in a space of patience and suffering. I've lost my place, I'm sorry. <laughs> because they remind us that God is good. They remind us that God is merciful. And so that we get to glorify him at the end for the compassion and the mercy that he's shown us. I'm going to end here, but um, before we go into a time of communion, uh, you guys can start playing. Um, as we were in that first um, time of worship that we had earlier, and we, God really just laid women on this church's heart. And I was so, um, I said at the beginning that one example of um, suffering is that, sorry, I just, as for people who are struggling to have children. And I, I don't know why, but it was so heavily laid on my heart when we were in that time of worship earlier. And so we have um, a prayer team here today. Um, yeah, everyone can stand up actually. And we, as we, we're gonna sing a little bit of a song of worship. But if you are one of the people who is struggling to have kids, I would love for our prayer team to get around you right now. If you're in a place of suffering for anything else, come to the front. Um, can the prayer team also just come up now as well? So we're not standing up here alone. If you're on that team and you're here, Miss Colin and Joyce. Um, Miss Class and Meg's up front. So if you're one of those people, I want to encourage you to just to be brave. Let your family stand around you this morning as you're in a place of suffering. Let them gather around you and pray for you because this is a special moment that they get to be with you and to stand by you in that place. So I want to encourage you to be brave. And then Colin is going to interrupt the song of worship for communion. But don't wait, don't wait for after church. Don't worry about what everyone is gonna think about you because I promise all anyone can think right now is just Jesus' breakthrough. And so um, if you can come to the front now, I'm gonna go down over here, but yeah. Thanks, band.